You're listening to the Donor Growth Podcast, forward-looking conversations for those who believe that donor growth is possible. Every week, we'll explore a thought-provoking topic to help build deeper relationships with more of your donors. We are your hosts, Luis Diaz and Mike Dirksen. Now let's get into it. Everyone I talk to, like every new organization that I talk to, I think this might be the same for you, Lewis, where you're like, okay, well, let's talk about what are some things that are, you know, that have got you worried. Every single one says donor acquisition. We don't know what to do about donor acquisition. And it's so funny because presumably you're getting on a call with you, Mike, or with me, and we talk a lot about retention and growing the relationship with your donors. So it's like, okay, let me call this retention guy and tell him that our true problem is acquisition. Sure. Yeah. We were in a meeting a few months ago and it was about acquisition. And we were like, let's just do a quick analysis on the spot. Do you remember this? And we are like, yeah. first, let's look at web traffic of like existing without humongous uh, be careful yeah, humongous traffic yeah i'm going to be careful not to reveal anyways this kinds of this kind of org gets a lot of traffic from people who actually very much care about this issue so loads of traffic loads of it people who already care who are bought in and it's almost always more tempting to want a new audience the but how about people who don't know about us yet we want them and you're like there's all these people right in front of you that might be a better way to start. So maybe what has happened is that there was a set of tactics around acquisition that just worked really well. And they've kind of conquered the mindset and the awareness of the whole industry of every non- so that you think of acquisition and you think about buying a list, essentially, right? And starting to mail them. But yeah. it's not working so well anymore. So you're the higher ed guy. I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you give us the perspective on on universities and colleges. Here's how some of the biggest brands in Canada and the USA were built. They were built by buying lists and sending out lots of mail over the last fifty years by five to ten big agencies, and. Those agencies then that spawned a whole industry of like list rental, list swapping. When when online started to be a thing, like online donor acquisition became a thing, which was just showing people an ad to a donation page. That's how it worked. And 10 years ago, that was still working really well. 10 years ago, the ma- mail acquisition was still working really well. But that's that's how some of the biggest brands were built. And that's the model that that we have or, or or that we might be limited by, but that's the way that we're still thinking because we see that these big brands were built that way. And those brands are on the acquisition hamster wheel. There's a large, well-known healthcare org in the, in the US where you would be shocked to hear of their actual donor retention because they don't need to. They are completely mass market acquisition. And that's that's yeah. the hamster wheel they're on. Yeah, so you can sustain a hamster wheel when you have a strong brand. And at that point, you're still converting, you're eking out enough that the math works. But as a growth strategy, it's I would say it's no longer your best bet. So if you're small and you're trying to, you know, we're not in that same world from 50 years ago. 
we'll stop. So again, going back to our, that dream research that you and I have, Mike, about looking at strategies by growth stage. And that's where people get very confused. And, and the knowledge out there is just very confusing. But, you know, so there's acquisition. What else can you do? You know, like I work in three buckets of tactics. And I, I have, you know, essentially a, a, a collection in my back pocket of playbooks, right? But you have acquisition, you have retention, yeah. you have leadership gifts. I don't know. You, you might come up with different categories. Those are, those are the three buckets, acquisition, oh. retention, leadership gifts. I mean, yeah, in a nutshell. Nice. And that's usually what people are comparing one thing against. So in higher ed, what has happened was that there has never been a really strong focus on acquisition. And the tactics that are used are typically just not very developed or as developed as in maybe other types of nonprofits. Mm -hmm. So in fact, they're still trying to mail people out of their money. And then they're trying, they they use one type of urgency-driven campaign, which is typically called a giving day or a giving week. And that's about it. So I, I that's my analysis of this situation. There just needs to be more creativity because since organizations, nonprofits as a whole are declining, like to turn that around, you have to go and you have to start using growth tactics. You can't use the same tactics that you used when you were, your brand was really strong, right? If your brand yeah. is eroding, you have to think differently about it. Anyhow, so, kind of a long-winded. So to be clear, we are not saying acquisition equals bad. The opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you need to be thinking about what we call the coverage gap between the donors you're losing, because you will lose donors no matter how good you are at retention. That will create some sort of coverage gap that over time you need to address. Otherwise, you might wake up one day, 10 years from now, and everything is no longer working the way it used to, and you can't figure out why. And the answer is, you stopped doing something five years ago, and it followed you around, but it only now became apparent or evident. Yeah. So, I mean, that gap, but also just there's a lot going for having a growing community. If you're doing acquisition right, you're growing your community. And that gives you, you know, strategic morale, lots of benefits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if fortunately or unfortunately, but we live in an economic system where growth is I don't know, much easier than, than, than staying, staying the same, staying even or declining. Things get ugly pretty quickly. Yeah. So, and I, yeah. I'll add a little caveat here. Some orgs and some causes are easier to grow than others. There's no question mm-hmm. about it. Uh, if, if I have to fundraise for a hospice versus a local hospice versus a local homeless shelter, fundraising for the local hospice is like fundraising with one hand tied behind my back. Mm-hmm. It's harder. Everything is a little bit harder. Now, I think they there's another unique advantage they have. I think legacy giving can be a lot stronger with a hospice than it is with a homeless shelter. But in terms of like acquisition, it is going to be harder to get some people to care about some cause versus another that might be a little bit more visceral, visceral, might be a little bit more timely. When it's really cold outside and somebody's asking you to give a warm blanket and a warm meal and a warm place for the night. That's a first gift that is easier sometimes to get than for some other causes. So that's why you want to call Mike if you're thinking about these things because he's been there, done that. And 
I don't think that a lot of people are aware of these nuances. We've talked about what's maybe not working so well. So you mentioned online ads straight to donation form. We've talked about those kind of random letters that you start getting in the mail when your name was in a purchase list. What is working? So we still do mail acquisition for some causes because Mm -hmm. sometimes it still works. The cause most often has to be local. Most often they have to have been doing some sort of local brand building. What I mean by brand building, some sort of recognition, like getting earned media, being in the news, building their community online, built being more visible. Like that's when it that's when it's easier, right? Having a column in the paper, things like that. That's when it's easier. Because you've built not a lot of trust, but just enough trust for somebody to make a small gift to test you out. Mm-hmm. So don't confuse that with building trust. That is starting to lay and it, to create an environment where trust can be built though. Yeah. There you um, go. So mail still can work a little bit, but you got to be a local cause and and you got to, it's going to be way more expensive than it used to be. You're going to be spending, you're not going to make money. You're not going to fundraise. You, you are going to acquire names and you're going to have a mindset of retention starts at acquisition. Retention starts at acquisition, and and you have going to have a plan in place that those people that you've acquired, you're gonna you're gonna tr- tr- treat them like an important part of the team, and then you're gonna hope that in year two or three, you've broken even. And if you don't have the stomach for that, then you don't have the stomach for direct mail acquisition. Yeah, and part of it. So you talked about retention. It's fairly reliable that if you have some type of mechanism, a major gifts department, leadership, annual giving person, mid-level gift program, that after three years, it's fairly reliable that you start to see big upgrades if you're doing that well. But it no longer or infrequently is a self-sustaining operation. Sounds accurate? Yeah, for sure. so that's- still, I mean, it still works. Look at all the companies in the world that do free webinars. They're investing in acquisition. They're throwing money away. They're, I mean, whoever is here that may have received a, a gift or an offer for a gift card, they'll pay you to sit in a meeting. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because it's worth it at the end. But like all the pieces have to come together a certain way. Yeah. So that's mail. It still works, but high stakes game, my friend. And I'd be careful. That's that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah. So then, you know, digital, let's talk about digital paid acquisition for a second. Usually you are not going to acquire a donor at the beginning. You are going to acquire an email address and a name, and you are going to try to provide lots of value. And hopefully that will turn into a first time gift. And once again, you may have acquired an email address. I've seen it as low as $1.20. I've seen it as high as $20, which is way too high for me. <laughs> but that's then, if you're paying for ads, right? Yeah, that's if you're paying for ads. Yep. And a little bit of nuance here, because I've seen lots of nonprofits that kind of get the model of offering something of value. It's just that the thing is most often in their mind, the first thing they think about is an event. And events are very expensive and you can't reproduce them. So it's... A lot of the time, you can get a lot more bang out of your buck if you come up with a resource, a content offer that's digital. I mean, yeah. that in my world is new thinking for lots of shops. 
Yeah, I, I, I might challenge that a bit and say both and, but we'll get to events mm-hmm. in a second. But but the digital, I just think it's no longer a nice to have. I, I think you've... Now, I, to be clear, digital ads are not working great. It's mm-hmm. It's expensive, harder and harder to... I was going to say target the right people. I just hate the word target. It's harder and harder to find the right reach. people, reach the right people. But but I think you've got to have, you've got to be playing around with that. You've got to be trying that. And yeah. uh, and well, and ads, so you can, you have this, you have this tactic, right? Which is providing something mostly of value, mostly in exchange for an email. It doesn't, you don't, I mean, would you, do you think every organization needs to start with ads? No, I mean, the same way that we think that retention, there's lots of value in the existing list. Sometimes there's lots of value in the existing community and existing networks that are available to nonprofits. That's been my experience. Yeah, no, I would not start with there. I also would not start with direct mail acquisition. Just like in terms of tactics that have worked well, mail and, Mm -hmm. and mail and digital, that's where we're at today. That's just a snapshot. Yeah. In terms of and more importantly, that that's scalable. So once you start having money and once you hit on a combination that works, th- there's a function there of I can put X amount of money into this and I'll see X amount come out at the other end. Yes, it's scalable to a degree. So let's say I've gotten my cost to acquire a lead down to a dollar. That'd be amazing, mm-hmm. by the way. So now I know I spend a hundred dollars, I get a hundred email addresses. And I know that on the back of my welcome journey and all this tr- nice treatment I'm going to design, I know that I'm going to get 1% of people making a gift. So mm-hmm. I now know that I'm acquiring a toner at uh, $100. So I spend $100, I get 100 names and 1% response rate on the back end of that. So now I know for every 100 that I spend, I'm going to get one gift and that average gift, let's say the first time gift is $25. So now I know, okay, after I account for that, $75 is my my net loss. But I know that that person is going to, is historical data is not a predictor of future results, blah, blah, blah. You know that, but let's say I know that person is going to make another 25, another 50. I know that 18 months in, I'm profitable on that. Now it's just a matter of, how many thousands of dollars do I want to spend exactly. to, That's what to scale meant. that up? And at some point, you're going to hit a point of diminishing returns. All marketing has diminishing returns. At some point, that's not going to work as well because you've kind of exhausted the ideal audience on Facebook or Google, and you're going into colder and colder and colder and colder audiences because you always begin with the warmest audience and you go colder, colder, colder. So your effectiveness first until you learn it's ineffective. Then you find the right audience, it's effective, and then it gets less effective over time as you go to a colder audience. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's that tactic. What do you think about attracting people through content creation? Which is another, t- you know, I think it can be, so the expense there is in creating the content, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of paying somebody for ads, you're, you have to do the thing, whatever it is that will attract people, start a blog and publish. I read somewhere HubSpot was like saying there's like a sweet spot at 15 posts per month, which sounds like a, a ton of work. You know, that I find that lots of nonprofits are actually sitting on a lot of content already that they can repurpose. And that's sometimes the approach we take where, you know, we say, look, I, I'm seeing these are riches in front of you. Let us try to help you repurpose them. Yeah. But yeah, so anyhow, I think we've 
covered a primer to acquisition. Hopefully people find this helpful as an introduction. We're running out of time, but I just want to double down on what you said. Content you already have, and we can get into this in another podcast episode, but you can run that content as ads as well. And you can yeah. also use it for major giving and leadership giving and mid-level giving. Stewardship. Yeah. And stewardship. Yeah. So that is, you know, we covered what the acquisition hamster wheel is today and what is maybe not working as well anymore. Maybe next week we will go into some different approaches. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for listening to the Donor Growth Podcast, brought to you by the Donor Participation Project and BuildGood.com. If you found today's episode helpful, please help us by sharing it with a friend, posting about it on LinkedIn, or giving it a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back next week, but in the meantime, remember that donor growth is possible.